As you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, a few questions for you this morning is, do you love the glory of God or do you love the glory of man? Do you love the glory of yourself? Are you drawn to the glory of having prominent positions in this world, in whatever place you may be? Do you love to receive the praise and glory from other people for things that you do? Are you irritated when you do something and no one appreciates you for it? Or are you angered when you do something good and someone else gets the credit? And you're like, that should go to me. I wonder what some of you are striving for in your life things that you might be pursuing so that you would receive glory from this world and from other people. Because I believe that many of us, all of us, are drawn to seek our own glory naturally. And we do not want to seek the glory of God. I wonder if God's glory has shaken your heart, your soul, and drawn your attention to Him. I wonder if you've been humbled by God's glory at some point in your life. And if not, I pray that today he humbles you by the presentation of his glory through his word. We have the word of God, which helps us understand the glory of God. And God's glory is so great, it's so vast that no book, no valley, no ocean could contain God's greatness and His glory. And the Word of God is completely clear about this. And what's wonderful is there's so much that we cannot even understand about God's glory, but He has given us in His Word what He does want us to know about His glory. And that's why on Sunday mornings and during the week in small groups and the children's ministry downstairs right now and the youth group on Tuesday night, we focus on God's glory revealed in His Word and not some other type of thing to just entertain us because we could find other entertainment that's a lot better in this world. We're here for the glory of God and for, as we are singing, to praise Him for His holiness. The scriptural truth that we receive as we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is this. The radiance and beauty of God is seen in all that he is and in all that he does. And man's responsibility, therefore, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Look with me at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And if you've not read 2 Chronicles, uh, King Solomon is dedicating the temple that he built That his father David wanted to build, but God said, no, you can't because you're a man who's shed too much blood. He said, your son will. And so Solomon builds this temple. And if you read chapter six, which I encourage you to do this prayer in which he's praying before the Lord, that they would be humble, that they would be a people who would be those who repent of their sins and that God would forgive them of their sins and restore them as a people. And that he prayed that they would continue to hope in God's faithfulness and his steadfastness. And here is the response of God to the prayer of Solomon, verse 1 of chapter 7. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. 
When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The word of God. Again, Father, we pray that you would bless the reading and the preaching of the word, that you would give me the words that you would have me preach this morning for your glory, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning, let us look to this text and let us look to the fact that we have been in the past couple months looking at the attributes of God. And today, this is the last of our study in this Though we could do a whole nother study with other attributes of God, which we have not uh, brought up at this point yet. And so today we look at God is glory, that God is glorious and that when we look at all of God's attributes as we've studied his holiness and his um, omnipresence and his omnipotence and that he's merciful and that he's just and he's a God of wrath and he's a God of mercy and love with all of these different attributes we are reminded of the first one is that God is infinite. So all of his attributes, none of them can be measured. None of them can be contained. And therefore, when we speak of God's glory, God's glory is seen in all of his attributes as he reveals himself to mankind. The first point as we see in Second Chronicles 7 and the glory of God that fills the temple is God's glory. So we must understand what is God's glory when we read the word of God. God's glory is the display of his greatness to mankind. It is his invisible character made visible for us to see through his word and through uh, his glory that we will see that he displays. God's glory is the visible manifestation of the greatness of God. And God's glory is infinite cannot be separated from his other attributes. God's glory is the revelation of his nature and his presence to mankind. We have his word in which he reveals to us what he wants us to know about his glory. And even then, we don't understand his glory. We can't understand the fullness of his greatness and his glory. We can read and the Holy Spirit can give us understanding. But it's not until that point when we're in his presence for all of eternity where we see the display of the greatness of his glory. And even then, I wonder if we can even fathom it. His radiance, his beauty emanates from all that he is and all that he does and the glory of God is overwhelming. When you read through the word of God of God's glory showing up, people hit the floor. People are in terror. People are in awe when God displays his glory. And I wonder if God has displayed his glory through his word and the power of the Holy Spirit that you have been humbled in your life and that you have hit the floor and worshiped God and you've been drawn to worship him because of his glory. God does not give his glory to anyone else because he is the only true God. And we read in Isaiah 42, verse 8, the Lord says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Idols in this world are created by man, and they're placed on a shelf or a pedestal, 
And you've got to put a light on them or you've got to light a candle around them just to be seen. But God is the only true God. And the glory that emanates and radiates from him is an astounding, uh, hard to even describe display of the brightness of the glory of God. So what does the word of God tell us about the glory of God? Here's five short things that we can see. And, there's, and we could see all kinds of, of other areas, but here's five that stand out. Number one, God's glory is seen in the display of his bright, shining glory before the people of God. You ever heard of anyone talk about the Shekinah glory of God? The word Shekinah is not even a word in the Bible, but people use it to describe the radiance or this bright light from God that we read when he displays himself to his people throughout the Bible. It's this shining light that's so bright, brighter than the sun, that emanates from God's presence. In the Old Testament, when we look at the word glory, it's this sense of a heaviness or an intense, um, weighty, overwhelming presence of God. This morning, I was upstairs reviewing my notes, and before I came down, I said, Lord, would you please, in your presence here with us, would you put upon us the weight of your glory? And we were singing, holy, holy, holy. What a right thing to say in the midst of being in the glory of God and in his presence. In Exodus chapter 13, God's glory is seen among the nation of Israel when they are traveling through the wilderness. And it says God's glory was seen by them in a pillar of a cloud by day. And so wherever the cloud went, they followed the cloud. And at nighttime, it was a cloud of fire. And in that case, it says this was the God's glory displayed visibly to the nation of Israel. Turn to Exodus chapter 24. We'll look at a couple of passages in Exodus chapter 24 in, in the book of Exodus Scripture in which it says that God displays his glory that was seen by the people of God, the nation of Israel. Exodus chapter 24, it says in verses 16 and 17, actually I'll read verse 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. You see, when the people saw Moses went up on the mountain and when God's glory came down on the mountain, the people were terrified. What they saw was what looked like this cloud and this fire that was burning the top of the mountain that Moses went into. And when Moses came down the mountain, the people were afraid because his face was shining with the glory of God because he'd been in the presence of God. But when you read the Old Testament descriptions of God's glory, clouds, bright light, fire, sounds of, of thunder, These are the descriptions of God's glory made manifest visibly to the people of God. And people always hit the ground. They're always in terror. They're always at a distance because of this standing in awe of who God is in the display of his glory. In chapter 6 of 2 Chronicles, again, Solomon is praying and dedicating the temple. And in chapter 7, as we just read, it says... 
As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Look at Exodus chapter 40. The same thing happened in Exodus chapter 40 when Moses dedicated the tabernacle. If you don't know the difference between the two, the tabernacle is similar to the temple, but it was a a, a tent that they moved where the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant and the priests continued to do the sacrifices like they did with the temple. But the temple was there in Jerusalem and it was a solid built place while the tabernacle was a place where God's presence was there, but it was movable. And it says in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they then they did not set out and out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Again, the people saw a cloud. They saw fire. God dwelt. His presence was in the tabernacle, just as we are reading in Second Chronicles of his presence in the temple of God. Imagine if you witnessed those things and saw the fire. And you saw the clouds and you saw the brightness of God's glory. The people saw that and it impacted them greatly. And at the same time, we know that there were a people that easily forgot like us. And they quickly would turn from worshiping God and worshiping idols who have no glory. Something that today we must guard against and pray that the Holy Spirit would guard our heart. And that we would be driven for the glory of God and none for ourselves, and no seeking after the glory of other things in this world which do not satisfy, which do not have any eternal impact in our lives. We should pray that God's glory would be what we behold and that's what we would seek, that in everything we say, everything we do, that we would give glory to God. That should be what we pray for this morning. Would you pray for that for me? As I pray for that for you, that we would be people that are all about the glory of God and nothing else. So God's glory is seen as it displays its bright, shining glory before God and people. A second way we see is God's glory is the descriptions of heaven. How many of you love reading the texts that describe heaven? Okay, only me. I saw two hands. I love reading about heaven, about the throne room of God, reading about the new heavens and the earth because it talks about God's glory and the display of his glory. Both Isaiah and John had a vision of the throne room of heaven. Isaiah said, woe is me, because he saw the holiness of God. And again, the brightness and the smoke that filled and and, and this description of God on the throne. John says this in Revelation chapter four, verse three, as he saw a vision of the throne room. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And some people will be like, okay, so there's an actual emerald there and there's jasper. 
he's describing in man's terms what he saw. He's trying to describe, many times we have scripture that describes the things of God, but yet they do not give the best picture in one sense. It's what man saw in that vision. We just know it when we read these things that this is a wonderful, glorious picture of God. And when you read Revelation chapter 21, read chapter 21 this week, verses 9 through 27. The new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. It is, I, when you read it, you go, really? This is going to be this way one day? No more sin, no more trouble, no more pain. It says in the city, has no need for the sun. There'll be no new sun, no new moon. It says, because the glory of God makes the light that we would see. There's no more flipping a switch because the room is dark. There's no more darkness when we're in the glory of God. His glory emanates and brings light to everything. A third way that we see God's glory is in the heavenly angels. Hey, we're, 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 we're on the countdown to Christmas. Do you remember Luke chapter 2? The shepherds in the field, the angel appears, and then a whole host of angels. It says that the glory of the Lord shone from them, and the shepherds were afraid. When you read of the holy angels of God, the messengers that he sends to different people throughout the word of God, the glory of God shines, and the people all fall down, and they want to worship. And the angels say, no, don't worship me. Worship God. A fourth way and the greatest focus for us to see this morning in God's glory is that it's seen in Jesus Christ. When we read in the New Testament the word glory being used, the majority of the time the word glory in the New Testament is used to describe the revelation of the character and the presence of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is found in Christ. And that's why when we gather, we look to Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is there that we see the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this of Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. If you read John chapter 1, which we spent time in the book of John last week, after it telling us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, speaking of Jesus, in verse 14 it says, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and of truth. Jesus Christ, the second person, the person of the Trinity, God Almighty, He adds humanity to Himself, fully God, fully man. And when we read of the life of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are reading of the display of the glory of God in Christ. Therefore, we draw our attention to Jesus. In Luke 21, Jesus says, one day he will return in all power and in glory. 
with his heavenly angels behind him. Read Revelation chapter 19 and the description of Christ returning in the clouds, riding the horse and the hosts of heaven with him in all of his glory. I don't know about you. And again, something to pray for. Do you pray that Christ would return today? Do we pray, come now, Lord Jesus that we would see his glory in the skies, that we would see him returning, that his people would be with him forever. In the book of Psalms, repeatedly, we have descriptions of God's glory. As we read earlier, it says in chapter 24 of Psalms, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the king of kings and Lord of lords who deserves all of your worship. He deserves all that you want to, uh, anything that you do good in life. He deserves all of your praise. He deserves all of your thanksgiving, all of your, uh, anything that you would say is praiseworthy. You need to direct that to Jesus and don't steal glory from God because we can be very good at doing that. Give all the praise and glory to him. Go back to Second Chronicles there. The fire from heaven comes down and consumes these burnt offerings and sacrifices. And it says the glory of the Lord filled the temple. But if you look at verse 1, do you see this, this aspect of fire coming from heaven? And what does it say that, say that it burnt up? What's it say there? The what? I hear like hardly anyone. I know you're lying that. What does it say it burnt up? The offering, the sacrifices. Do you know that, yes, God's glory was presented, it filled the temple, but do you pay attention to the fire? The fire is a display of the judgment of God. That he saw these offerings. He heard the prayer of King Solomon. And his fire is a display of his judgment and acceptance of those offerings that day for those people's sins. But as that was burnt up and that was acceptable to God, it was acceptable for a time, but it had to be repeated. Again, imagine if every single week you came in and you brought an animal and we just slit its throat and there was blood everywhere and someone takes it out and throws it on an altar or annually we do these things. Imagine you doing that today. Well, not only would animal rights people be after us, and when us arrested, wouldn't understand that. Um, that's a horrible picture. But when you think of what Christ did, it's a glorious picture. The fire is a display of the judgment of God upon those people's sins. And it points us towards Jesus and the cross. <clears throat> And so not only is glory of God seen in Christ Jesus, the glory of God, lastly, in the fifth one here, is seen in the people of God, His church, the saints, Christians, believers, the elect, the church, the descriptions of, of the church, um, that God's glory is seen in His people. So if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, God's glory is seen in your life. And you say, well, I'm not glowing like Moses. No, you're not. But the light of Jesus Christ should be emanating from your life in everything you say to every single person, in everything you do that other people see, and in everything you say and do that no one ever sees but God. All of it. Your breathing 
should be glorifying to God. Genesis 1.27 says this about mankind. He created man in his own image, male and female. All of mankind are to be image bearers of God. We were created to exist for the glory of God. It says in Isaiah 43, 7, Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. You have been created for God's glory. Therefore, your existence in life is to pursue God's glory and to live for God's glory. The hard part and the truth is that we don't start off this life Seeking his glory. For the Christian now, the veil's been removed and we see the glory of God in Scripture revealed by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This does not mean that you're going to be made into a God. This is a description of the process of sanctification, the work the Holy Spirit does. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're forgiven of your sins and you're made new because your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit seals your heart. The Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart. And every moment for the rest of the day of your life in this world, He makes you more like Christ to reflect His glory. All for His glory and His joy. I enjoy reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because it describes us being born into this world with a physical body of dishonor, but being raised one day in glory. That there is a day for all those who are Christians, who are in Christ, that this old physical body, battling with sin, would no longer be the case. And that we would be raised with a glorified body, something that is so exciting and joyful to think about, And at the same time, uh, it's like, wow, how can that be? You and I are born into this world, in a fallen world, a sinful world, a fallen body. And all we do is pursue anything but God. And so briefly, you need to understand this is not only are we looking at God's glory, but you need to look at and understand man's sinfulness. For you to have a a greater understanding of the glory of God, you need to look at your life and your sinfulness. And again, don't point the finger at me. No, I'll let the word of God do that. Because without understanding and being revealed the truth of God's word about our sinfulness, you will never seek the glory of God. You will only seek your glory until the day you die, and you'll enjoy your glory separated from God in hell for all eternity. That's what the word of God teaches us. Look at verse 2 in Second Chronicles chapter 7. It says this, As we look at the second point of man's sinfulness, the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. 
God is infinitely holy and man is not. And so God who's holy cannot be joined to unholy sinful man. And so if these priests would enter into the temple when God's presence was there, they would die instantly. They would die because they're sinful. And the same would happen to us if we tried to enter into the glory of God in such as we are reading here. But again, as we are reading and then verse three, people fall on their face when the glory of God is displayed. And it's because of our sinfulness and because of his holiness. Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah sees the glory of God and he says, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. He knew his sinfulness, which was the right place to be before the Lord God Almighty. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of our sins. And, and he is the one who reveals our sinfulness to us so that we can see God's holiness and God's greatness. And I believe when you understand the sinfulness that you are born into this world, then you can. Because the Holy Spirit showing you that sinfulness Respond when the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented to you. Because Romans 3.23 says this, For all have what? Does it say some? No, it says, For what? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it also says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, that none is righteous, no, not one. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you and I are born into this world as children of wrath and we are, are far from being holy because we only pursue sinfulness. And again, there's many people who never want to talk about this in church. They're like, why can't we just skip to the grace of God? Well, we're going to talk about the grace of God when we read it in Scripture in just a moment. But why would we even turn and look at Jesus Christ Oh, he's some guy who died on the cross. Jesus loved me. If we didn't see our sinfulness and the reason why he did that. All it is is a good story then. That's why every week you must be reminded of your sinfulness so that you would be reminded of God's glory and his grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 7, where we're at this morning... You see the sacrifices. You see the lambs. If you read on, you'll see there's thousands of sacrifices, all kinds of blood everywhere and fire. And again, it points to Calvary. It points to Jesus Christ. It points to his sacrifice as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So if you were there with Solomon that day where they sacrificed all those animals, hundreds of them, thousands of them, blood everywhere, you would think, this is enough for God to forgive me. Matter of time goes by, you're back at the temple again. Bringing the sacrifice. Once again, Jesus Christ abolished it all. He was the final sacrifice who shed his blood for you. That you would be set free from the slavery of sin. He came to rescue his people. To deliver his people from sin and from darkness. To the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us this. Of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is something that you should behold and give thanks for 
reflect on, even though I don't want to think about the blood. First Peter tells us <clears throat> that the blood of Christ is precious. And it says this in verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And because Jesus Christ was obedient to the Father and He added humanity to His divinity and He lived in this world and He never sinned, He could then go to the cross, the pure spotless Lamb, and He could shed His precious blood for you and forgive you of your sins through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And just as the fire came down in the sacrifices that day at the temple when Solomon prayed, showing us the wrath of God for sin, when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, the wrath of God, the full wrath of God, fell upon the Son for your sin, for my sin. That we would, through faith, be made the righteousness of Christ. He took the wrath of the Father for his people to be set free and to be rescued. And so we come to this final point and I would form it in a question to you. <clears throat> will you will you be worshiping and glorifying God forever? Or not? In verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 7, it says, When all the people saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, when God's glory shows, man cannot stand. They hit the ground and they worship him in spirit and in truth. Has your heart been humbled by the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you come to a place of saving faith in Jesus Christ? And do you worship him now? And do you strive to live for the glory of God today? Because if not, if that has not happened in your life and you die in your sins today, you will spend it separated from God. Actually, not separated from God in the sense that we studied the wrath of God and the judgment of God, that His wrath is upon people in hell for all eternity. That is the presence of God. As well as for all those who are in Him will be in the presence of God face to face for all eternity. Our only right response this morning is to worship him, is to praise him, is to give him thanks that he would save us and that he would give himself for us. I specifically have been praying this week that God would change all of our hearts, that we would have a higher view of God. Because as we started off the series on the attributes of God, I think I had a box of some size up here and said, look, you can't fit God in a box and you may put God in this size box and know this. 
Whatever way that you understand God, you do not understand him fully. So I've been praying, God, give us a greater view of you, a more glorious view of you that we don't understand yet so that we would have a high view of you so that it would humble our hearts and move us in everything we say and everything we do that God would see the glory and we would not be people who steal glory from God. I've been praying that you would be filled with wonder and awe of God. And when you read his word and the Holy Spirit opening uh, God's word to your understanding, I've been praying that you would see the glory of God in Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ and how we are saved for the glory of God. But what does it mean to worship God and to glorify him forever? Psalm chapter 96 says this, Verses 7 through 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The answer is how do you practice? How do you live out glorifying the name of God? You give him the glory, do his name as the psalmist writes. You do it by having thanksgiving in your heart. Already everyone's been talking about Thanksgiving and you see the Thanksgiving commercials and the world is like, hey, we need to gather. Or at least the United States is like, hey, we need to just be thankful. Be thankful for whatever. But there's never this understanding of the thankfulness to God other than maybe part of the church. But is your heart overflowing with thankfulness and gratefulness, not because it's Turkey Day coming up, but because God is glorious? Psalm chapter 69, verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When we sing and gather, do you know that the songs we sing on here on Sunday morning is not just because we get it on some list of songs that are played on Christian radio? We sing songs that are grounded in the word of God, not for you to have some excitement of they're played by song. No. If that's why you turn on the radio so you can hear your song about God, I would say turn it off for a while and read the book of Psalms. We sing and you sing with me. And as we sing holy, 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 it's for his glory. It's not for our excitement or emotion about songs. But that is what happens in many gatherings of believers. They aren't singing my songs. I'm going to another church. Or they sang my song today. No, it's not your song. If we sing any of these things, they're for God and not for us. You can glorify God by walking in his truth. You do glorify him when you read his truth and apply it in your life. You glorify God when you seek his face in prayer. That's why I keep saying, pray, church, pray. And pray according to the word of God. You glorify God by remembering The great work of the cross that Jesus Christ has done, his finished work. You glorify God by declaring to other people the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they can be saved by the work of Christ. There in Psalm chapter 96, as I was just reading, the first four verses says this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 
Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declaring glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Here's the last thing, and we'll close in prayer. Do not, strive not to steal glory from God. In Daniel chapter 4, a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar stood on the top of the roof of his palace and looked out across the area, and he said, look what I've done. He said, look what I've created. And in that moment, God spoke to him and said, everything is being removed from you. And God humbled him, and he lived for a period of time like a cow, out in the fields, eating the grass. And they thought that he was crazy. And God eventually restored him. And when God restored him, he had learned and been humbled and says, Lord, you are God. You are glorious. So don't steal glory from God. When someone says to you, you did wonderful in that Great, great job getting that A+. Plus. Hey, you won that race. Your team did this. You did an excellent job on your project. Oh, that art piece that you did is just so marvelous. Would you stop and say, praise God? And then thank the person for that. They would encourage you. But direct attention to God that he would receive all the glory. As the worship team comes forward... <clears throat> It says this in Psalm chapter 29. And let this be our prayer this morning as the people of God. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And Father, we declare that glory to you and we ask that you would save your people from your sins and we give you praise and glory for your son Jesus and the sacrifice at the cross for us. And Jesus, we praise you and we glorify you and we rejoice that you are alive, seated on the throne, ruling and reigning and you have promised to return. And so Jesus, our hope is in you. We love you and I pray that all who are here that have come into this place who are far from you, that today is a day of salvation for your glory. Receive the praise from our lips. In Jesus' name, amen.